Hey. Again. Hey, how's it going? Hi, everybody. Sorry for the week delay. Yeah. Uh, Again. Uh, This one was my bad. Sorry about that. Oh, Justin just died. I dropped my shit. Uh All right, we're okay. (laughs) What was your shit? I hope nothing's... Uh, fucked up. That was my cell phone. I forgot to silence it, so I went to silence it real quick, and I dropped it on my fucking foot. Oh, all right. Well, that's all right. So we're back. We're back in full force here. <laughs> Very much so. Full get a job uh, form. Yeah, I don't know. I just I had a surprise weekend a chance to go to the lake, and uh, I took it. So there was no episode last weekend. Yeah, uh, but also Justin hella busy because he moving. Yeah, so, so I am I am leaving my hometown and uh, I am moving to a different city. So uh, these these past few weeks have been uh, and, and this next two weeks also will be an absolute fucking nightmare for me until you know I actually get moved because moving is a hellish fucking thing to go through and it sucks. Yeah, so I would agree. Laying out the Justin. foundation uh, going forward here, I think would be a good idea for us to do for you guys, just to let you know what's happening. So, yeah, Get and Jump Show will proceed as normal next week. Um, we will we will find a day. We will get a day to record, and we will get an episode up next week, finishing out our our Dollar Boys. <laughs> the dollar, the Dollar Burgers, the Dollar yeah. Boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Sergio Leone's Western Mafia. Yeah. Spaghetti time. Let's go. Hey, spaghetti. Hey. But then um, after that is uh, coming up after that is our 100th episode. Uh, where we talked about on here before where it is going to be a crazy extravaganza where we put every movie we've watched on a tier list. That should be fun. And well, I'm sure we won't argue about anything. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm totally going to argue with you. And, and I would also like to have some kind of visual component for that episode for people to look at so that it's not just us going like, you think this goes S tier? Like, it'd be cool for people to see what that would mean. So I am going I'm sure to we'll uh, figure something out. I'm going to both stream and record it, I think, is going to be the move. Okay. And well, then we'll, we'll, put it, we'll put it up on a video format as well. Considering Either I'm also way. getting the uh, YouTube channel for Football After Dark up and running, might as well throw oh, in... Get in Jump Channel? Let's go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Might as well get all that going. Find, find that, let's find that missing Matrix episode <laughs> and upload it. <laughs> it it's, it's on there somewhere. It's somewhere. But anyway, uh, so, so you are going to be in the process of moving and packing and unpacking. Yes. Uh, after next week's episode. So right. uh, couple that with actually getting everything prepared for the 100th episode and our normal day-to-day lives. Uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to guess we're going to do a 2-week break. And I know that we've already done a couple 1-week breaks here and there recently and after that 2-weeker, I think we'll just be back and and good and everything should be fine yes. i hope yeah well, it, it'll we'll be see. everything will be much easier um once that's finished up i will be you know i'll be all moved and everything this, this is a, been a process that's been going on for a little while now 
getting yeah. ready for this. First, I had, to, I had to sell the house, and then had to once that was finished, had to had to like get everything ready for that, and then I had to get myself ready, get get my apartment, get a new job. So like, it's been a giant mess, and all that will be cleaned up in a matter of weeks here. And once we hit yeah. that point, we can continue with the new wheel and the new new get and job new me. With episode yeah. 100, and, 100 and on. 101 is going to be brand new. I'm sure it will be nothing like the previous 100 episodes. No, not a damn, not a, <laughs> not a it's going to be a whole new show. It's not going to be called the Get and Job Show anymore. It's just going to be called Show. Frasier. Nah. <laughs> so I make the scrambled eggs mentioned in the Frasier song, the podcast. Oh, yeah. And then it's just like... salad as well? You no, know, just the scrambled eggs. You can make the oh, toss salad. The toss salad. Oh, alright. I make the toss salad, you make the scrambled eggs. Yeah. We combine our, our dishes into some kind of nightmare breakfast or lunch. Of a tossed salad and scrambled eggs. That's not. That's like a. That's like a lunch. I don't know who has tossed salad for breakfast. Yeah, but like you can thing. have scrambled eggs like for lunch as well. I I don't do scrambled eggs in a salad. Like like if you get like one of them like diced hard boils, that's a good. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That goes good on a that's salad. That's a good. But scrambled eggs get like soggy, and like get that shit out of the salad. That don't. You don't need that shit. That's fucking weird. You need the egg whites. Instead of the the scrambled yellow goop, goopy. <laughs> I'm I'm sure we won't ramble on in our intros when when Gen and Jub hits a hundred episodes. <laughs> no, I'm sure never. we won't. That'll never happen. <laughs> We've never anyway, rambled before. We'll uh, we'll we'll do the song now. I don't okay. Know. Place place song. Press the bu- Press the plate. Song button, it's not working. Genhart, I'm pressing it. It's not. Oh, okay, there we go. It worked. Okay. I'm glad it worked. Everybody, welcome to the Canyon Job Show. That's Ken. Hiya, 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 who, hi, hey. And I'm Job, and I'm out here ready to fuck you up. And talk about a cool movie. Yeah. And also fuck you up. Fuck you. Oh. Damn it. <sighs> But first, well, I, uh, hmm. before we talk about the really great movie we watched. You play any games lately? We played a game. I don't know. Wait, I don't, I don't know. It is. Did, did a game come out? Yeah. Did, did a video game come out? Yeah, dude. We. Yeah, dude. Marvel's The Avengers TM. Oh, With the right. free, if you are a Verizon subscriber, Verizon Hulk shorts. <laughs> yes. Hulk puts TM. on his Verizon copyright pants TM. <laughs> see, Hulk Hulk loves having a very extensive 4G network, and and when Hulk <laughs> has that, he he says agreeable grunt, and and Hulk 
has a good time that I don't know if you saw that, Justin. I have I seen the agreeable grunt thing. I have seen that, yes. Just to explain that for people who haven't seen it, there's a moment in the game where Hulk uh like I I, I don't know. For some reason the game decides to do speech to text and it's just a robot voice saying agreeable grunt for Hulk's dialogue instead of just playing a sound effect of Hulk going like Ur, or whatever it's embarrassing he there's lots like, of stuff hmm. like that I saw a clip of I think Jason Schreier playing the game and, and this uh, NPC character said thanks you're the best nine times in a row to him <laughs> like it was like he was just like finishing a quest and it's supposed to probably just say it once but then she's just like thanks you're the best thanks you're the best oh no thanks you're the best and oh, it, it just God. kept going and i'm like this this game may have been rushed i believe I have a sneaking a, suspicion. A little, okay? <laughs> just a just a a little baby bit, okay? Yeah. I I have no interest in it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Yeah, I don't remember God, if I'm I, wearing a Marvel t-shirt right now. I don't remember if I talked I just, about it eh. on this show or not, but I played the beta and I fucking hated it. Yeah. I don't remember uh, if I talked I'm about just, it on the show or not, but like it sucks really bad like as for somebody who who like actually likes the that that like looty games of service type thing, and I've been like an avid Destiny player on and off for like since the first one came out, and I'm back into it again right now actually, which gave me a great comparison to oh, like a what, good one and a bad one. Yeah, so what yeah. Avengers does wrong compared to what Destiny does right, mm-hmm. and now to be fair, it's taken them many years. To like perfect that, but it should show you as an example of like a what to do and what not to do when you're making these kind of games. And it seems like when Crystal right. Dynamics was just making this game, they were like, "Yeah, fuck it." Post game, re- mm. rewarding gear, cosmetics actually making a difference. Things Agreeable feeling good grunt. to do. Agreeable grunt. Uh, oh, did you see Captain America's face, by the way? I'm not sure what you mean. Like, in general? Oh, no. Well, uh, yes, because everybody kind of looks like weird stunt double versions of the MCU characters. Right. But if you put on the classic Cap outfit that's like World War II inspired, like like an actual army helmet and stuff like that, yeah. his face just, like, deteriorates and looks like he's melting. The uh, fuck? It's very disturbing, and many people have noticed this. I don't know if they've patched it out yet, but like, it, and it just like gets worse progressively the <laughs> more you play with that skin on. His face just droops like he had a stroke, and and it just keeps going the more you play, and it, it's very disturbing to look at. So that that game has a lot of problems that I keep I keep seeing problems from that game more than people saying. It's good, which is not a great sign. I, I'm not convinced that this is setting the world on fire or anything. I think most people are like, eh, it's okay at best. And I, I am so not interested in a games as a service, really. I just couldn't care less. You know, I got a couple games that I'm going to be regularly playing. And uh, oh, also a Tony Hawk game came out the same fucking day. 
Hi, hello. Hi, it's me, Genhart. Yeah, like Tony Hawk games. So Hi. this is the <laughs> this is the game. This is this is the game we're oh. actually going to talk about fully because none of us actually played the full release of Avengers. I don't care if the full oh, game's better than bad. the beta. I really don't give a shit about it. But agreeable grunt. But yeah, yeah. Tony Hawk. Um. Am I able to insert it into the Game of the Year category, you think? Yeah, I would. I think it's, like, it, it's it's different enough from any other Tony entry. And, like, so yeah, much work was is, put it into it. It is a remake. I, I think it's, it's very clear that this isn't just, like, a remaster and it doesn't just look prettier. Like, it, it's a full-from-the-ground-up remake. All the assets are brand new. And it looks fucking gorgeous. It looks immaculate. I th- I think genuinely, I'd put it in the discussion for sure. For sure. All right, cool. Because if that's the case, then it's my game of the year so it's far. It's very close between this and Fall Guys for me. Because I think I kind of have to give it to Fall Guys just because Fall Guys is like an original concept, really original and really new and and kind of takes battle royale in a, in a direction that i like more uh but i'm definitely in love with this game and i'm gonna play it for a long time i've already played it probably more than i should have uh <laughs> i i've done almost all the challenges for the pros i only have two skaters left to go through all their personal challenges and I'm working my way through everything else that game has to offer. Obviously, I've beat the one and two careers by now, for sure. <laughs> like, I did that day one. <laughs> and it's, I, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. They did a tremendous job. It's, it's probably like the best remake ever made in, to some degree. I would think so. I, I would I would put it in that category, hundred percent. Yeah, it's right up there. I mean, you have other things that you can compare it to, but like, I don't know, something like Resident Evil Two is like a completely different game. Something like Final Fantasy Seven is a completely different game. This is the same game. Like, if you were good at Tony Hawk games twenty years ago, you're gonna be good at this still, right? Uh, you might have a little bit of a learning curve and you might have to relearn some of the shit. But then, like, once you get it down, it's it's like, you know, you got it. You're good to go. Um, yeah. If your muscle memory is still there, if you're someone who hasn't ever really stopped playing these games like me, you're going to feel right at home. Everything works immaculately. And they were really smart to not just have the move set from Tony Hawk 2, but extending it into... Tony Hawk 3 and 4 moves. You know, you got your reverts. That's very important. You got your spine transfers. You got acid drops. You got wall plants. Those are all there. You could turn those off if you wish. You can just have the Tony Hawk 1 or 2 controls. But I I don't ever want to do that because the game feel was perfected. And then they started doing a bunch of dumb shit in the series. Like, get off your board driving cars control steve on a mechanical bull you know all, all the <laughs> standard things but uh <laughs> like 
it's it's back to that pure gameplay that it had initially. Yeah, I feel. And I'm so happy for that. I, I don't have a whole lot negative to say about it. I would really have to stretch my imagination to say anything negative about it. I can't like its goals as a remake are just pulled off immaculately. The only the only thing I could bring up that's a complaint for this game is that and it, it's just kind of like a product of like how it happens with this game is uh some of the maps especially in the first one aren't yeah. designed to have this like reverse and manuals and shit. That, that's the only complaint I have with it. It is not even that bad. Like, and none of the maps are designed to have spine transfers, but now you can. There's there's a significant amount of breaking the levels that can occur. Like on Warehouse, you can do this combo where you're constantly jumping between a couple ramps and wall planting, and it can just go on for like for way longer than intended. And yeah. it's certainly something you wouldn't see yourself doing in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One. Because you couldn't. Uh, but I appreciate that they were faithful in recreating all these levels. They didn't add anything uh, like too much that would change the experience. I, I'm just happy that they. I'm still ha- I'm, I'm happy they did that more than mad for sure. But certainly there's some levels that stick out like a sore thumb and don't feel as playable as some other levels. Something like Burnside, for instance, is not very good as a full, complete Tony Hawk level with this moveset. Yeah. But it still looks fucking amazing. And I don't, you know, feel like it's a waste of time to do the story mode tournament there and stuff like that you know yeah um the visuals are so good and the ideas behind them are great like i I think my favorite level in this thing is the mall because they made the decision to um redesign it completely into a mall that has been closed and run down for years to the point where like there's vegetation growing in the mall like from the time between it's a fucking mess it looks downright post-apocalyptic it's like from the from the time it's like a mall that was closed like when tony hawk one came out and then now you're going in it Mm -hmm. which is great uh and and it looks fantastic i love the visual design on that and then some levels like uh streets for instance with the visual overhaul resemble a level from a like future entries in the series more than an entry from like Tony Hawk one, like streets feels like a huge level now, uh, which is crazy. Cause it was a level for the first game. It, it feels more like the size of a level from like underground two or something, which is crazy to me. Um, there's lots of empty spaces that like would benefit from more skatable objects, but they weren't there in the original. What are you going to do? Right. Um, I definitely think the Tony Hawk two levels have fared much better. And and fare a lot better with the enhancements from three and four's control schemes. But it it definitely hints at what could be to come. Like if they remake three and four, they'll be insanely good if they have this amount of care and polish. And I kinda hope they do. I really hope they do. 
because it would be a shame if this is all we get. It'd be an absolute shame. Yeah, I, I really hope. I really sincerely hope that like they can like continue. Yeah, just do, do three like, and four. This this game fully resurrects a dead franchise. It was dead. It was hundred percent dead. Like yeah, the, like, the later the later entries year, killed it. This year, I played five for the first time, and I think in doing so, this feels even more like an accomplishment <laughs> yeah. because this franchise died. <laughs> like this is insane that this is happening. Um, and I'm absolutely in love with it. I'm going to play multiplayer all the time. Uh, I have a lot of fun with that. I like how the multiplayer is designed. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm loving the creative park. I just, uh, I, I it took me a while to look at it, but it's way better than any other creative park in any of the other previous games beats the shit out of any of them. The amount of stuff you can do is really good. I wish there was more weird parts you could place, but I mean, they could eventually add stuff to it. Who knows? Um, but I think just like the ability to like shift and move rails wherever you want and bend them however you want and do the same with quarter pipes as well is insane um and gives you a level of customization that you've never had before yeah um there's gonna be people there's not a lot of it yet but there's gonna be people that makes maps for this thing that are fucking insane and good and i can't wait to see that shit yeah this, um, this game does have a, a future to it because of because of that stuff at the very least yeah i don't at know if the very least i don't know if like they plan on i don't know if like vicarious visions plans on doing any uh any post-launch content for the game i don't think they are because this is a very like complete package yeah i mean i, I don't know what to expect because it's it's vicarious visions and Beanox and you know something like you know crash team racing earlier uh and and last year uh had a shitload of dlc and it was great that there was new content being added all the time i i want to hope that that's where we go with this but i don't know necessarily what the direction on that is yeah um i i my biggest hope would be that they just have a dlc that is 3 and threes levels because it would fit with this game very well. Um, the move sets there, the characters are there. The only one that's missing is Bam Margera, and you can uh, you could just keep not having him. That's fine. Um, and uh, you know maybe some of the secret scare characters from three, if you want. Uh, not, certainly not the licensed ones like Wolverine and Darth Maul, but you could have like the Eyeball Man or like <laughs> the other weirdos that are in there. Why not? Um, and then you could just like focus on the other games as they are, because like four plays a in a career mode perspective completely differently. Because it's like run up to people and talk to them as opposed to uh, just skate around freely in the level and do the goals. So I think just because of the way that's structured, if they remake four, it'll be completely separate. But three could be part of this game if they wanted to add it. And I would buy it in a heartbeat because three is my favorite, I think. 
yeah i it's my it's my favorite too mm-hmm. um when when revert got added um and, and they changed it changed everything it made everything so much cooler much more fluid and the maps i love the fucking maps in tony hawk 3 though that's like the best maps they've ever made yeah like because like i i had, had experienced uh four and underground first it took me a while to go back to three but when i did i kind of fell in love with that classic format and i kind of just loved the map design and just the want to keep playing through the career with every single character because every time you beat the career you unlock something new all 21 times you did it and i was just obsessed with that i was like hell yes this is great so if they can return those levels go back to the foundry in canada and la suburbia the cruise ship yeah i would be super happy I'd be super happy. I love the cruise ship. That's like my favorite map. That's a real good map. You could do some crazy shit on there. I love it. But yeah, so, so yeah, Tony Hawk is... just wanted to gush about that, I guess. It's definitely, real good. Yeah, it's, it's fucking incredible. It's basically one of the best games of this year. If you haven't played it yet, go play it. It's it's only $40. And, uh, what it a is, bargain. It, it is worth every penny because of the content they add, the content that will be there with the fucking creative park and shit, and the multiplayer and all of everything. There's a lot to unpack with it. It's an awesome game. Yeah. The the one thing I will say is I bought the deluxe version, and I don't think it gives you enough to justify its price point of $10 more expensive. Um, you get a character, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I have it, but the character you get is a skeleton. Bones. And that's cool. I like skeletons. I play as him all the time. Uh, however, beyond that, you just get a couple 80s costumes for a couple characters, and they look really stupid on these old versions of the characters. Like, Rodney Mullen would not be caught dead wearing his 80s outfit now, <laughs> and it looks really weird on him. Um, same with uh, Tony Hawk's and Steve Caballero's. Uh, and then I think you get like a couple like things for Create a Skater, which um, I don't know. Create a Skater is functional in this game, but it's nothing like incredible. I was expecting them to do a better job with it, but it's it's better than it was in five for sure. I'm glad it's there, but they, it could have been a pulled off better. I feel. Um, yeah. But anyway. Just buy the $40 version. If if you you know ten dollars for a skeleton, even I think that's too much. Yeah, as much as it's greater <laughs> as great as uh, bones are. Yeah, he should have just been on an unlockable. And yeah. I wish there was more unlockables. There are two unlockable characters, and they're both great. Um, but I, I do wish there was more because you know you look at something like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. Uh, like what was in that game? Darth Maul, Wolverine. Uh, the, the the officer Dick was in it. I, I'm pretty sure you could play as Kelly Slater because they did a game about him, so that it was like promotion for that. There was the NeverSoft eyeball. Yeah, you could play as the bum. Uh, like there was just so many secret skaters to unlock in that game that it felt like you were constantly unlocking a new one. Like I, I wish it felt more like that 
And maybe the newer skaters should have been unlockable and they didn't tell anybody about them. But I, I know that that probably wouldn't like work real well because they want to like have promotion for these people. You know, they all have sponsors and brands and stuff. Ha- having them yeah. as secret skaters probably wouldn't work. Right. But um, I'm loving going through it, man. And I'm going to start uh, digging deep into the recesses of my Tony skills that are not as good as they used to be. And I'm going to try and get all the gaps and all these incredibly high scores. And uh, you can do speed runs on levels now. It puts all the goals back on the level, and you got to do them all as quick as you can. There's a lot of challenges involving getting insane times on those. I'm going to try, because <laughs> I'm a completion man. And especially as far as these games go. Uh, I, I, I'm just, like, floored that, like, I still have this much content to go through because I've been playing this game pretty much besides the weekend trip to the lake nonstop. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love it. It's good game. We'll play it. Yeah. So one piece of news I'd want to get to before we talk about movie. Uh-huh. So, in a in a weird ass turn of events, the smaller version of the new the new Xbox, known as oh, yes. the Xbox Xbox Series S, yes. got leaked, and uh, so Microsoft was got their hand kind of forced, and they just uh, released the information about it and showed it off and everything. Even the trailer yeah, for this thing leaked. It. Yeah. The PR handled it well. They did, like, they memed about it and shit. Then they just dropped the info, which is like, yeah, you know. Handle it the best way you can, I guess. But, uh, it's out there. There are two Xboxes. And, like, how there are two PlayStations. But this, this set is a little different. It's not just an all-digital version. While it is that, it is a much smaller box... Um, the hard drive yes. isn't as good. The hard drive isn't as good. Graphics card isn't as good. CPU is about as good, which is nice. And it uh, it looks kind of weird because it has the giant ass fan on it, like the Xbox Series X does. But it's on the side instead of the top because it's like a small console. It's like definitely meant to be like laid down horizontally. Hmm. <laughs> But overall, it's it's pretty nifty. I like the design. What I don't like, we kind of talked about this before, but now it's very apparent. Their naming convention for this these consoles is fucking dumb. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't take it, man. Well, because we had the Xbox One S and One X, and now we're getting the Xbox Series S and Series X, and these are all different things, and we're just expected to know that. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, the way, for, as far as, like, the game console naming conventions, the way I always thought about it was, can someone's grandma walk into a GameStop and ask for the console and know exactly what they're talking about and know exactly what it is? Absolutely not. That is not the case with these new Xboxes. 
There's one gonna be like, can I get an Xbox S? And they'll be like, which one? And the grandma will be like, uh, which one's cheaper? And then she'll get her kid an Xbox One S, which they yes. already have. Mm-hmm. And the kid will lose their fucking mind because they're a shitty little kid. Sure. <laughs> and like, you want to avoid that happening as much as you can. But now, fuck it. It, it. This is so similar to the the new Nintendo 3DS thing and new Super Mario Brothers. All the new conventions. They're fucking. Those naming conventions are fucking terrible. You need to just not do that. They need to just not do that. Call it something sure. else. It's the fourth Xbox, and it sounds like it's the first Xbox. So weird to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what Xbox it is. That's the thing. Like, they, they ditched the... They, they haven't numbered... They haven't had a number system for these consoles. Ever. Ever. The closest you had was the 360, and it wasn't the 360th Xbox. Right. <sighs> One thing I could at least appreciate about PlayStation is... It One, two, very, three, four, five. Right. It is very consistent. You know. You know what it is. Yep. Even, like, Nintendo is not too bad because each one of their consoles is, like, entirely different. Bad. Well, the, 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 three, the 3DS shit was bad, right? Yeah, yeah. All the way around. True. But as far as, like, their home consoles, that's just fine because it's, like, something completely different every time. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, it, it made sense. You got Nintendo. Then there's the Super Nintendo. Then Nintendo 64. And then they just kind of, like, went off the deep end. GameCube. The GameCube, which is fine, once again. But these are, like, (laughs) concise and different names. Yes. That's true. You could have had, you know, like, the, uh... You could call this, like, I don't know, like, the Xbox Tower or something. I don't give a shit. That would be better than fucking Series X. Yeah, it just makes... I don't know. Like, I guess everybody's gonna call it the Xbox anyway. But, like... You gotta have something here. Like, you can't even, like, shorten this. Because, like, we had a XB1S, XB1X, and now we're gonna have XBS... S and XBSX. <laughs> what what puzzle is this? Just call I can't it like solve it. Just take the Xbox out, I guess. Just call it Series X or Series S. Could have just called it the Scorpio, like they were talking about. Scorpio would have been fine. They never named that. Shit. Or, the, the or cool Project ass Scarlet. Fucking... Project Scarlet. Yeah, they could have. What it was. Yeah, they call it the Xbox Scarlet. That would have been cool. I've been cool with that. Make it a red console. Sure. Fuck yeah, bro. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. But anyway, beyond all this, I actually think that this thing kicks ass and Microsoft stands a fair chance to shake shit up in a big yeah. way. Okay. Because if you... this thing is $300. Yeah. Which is likely going to be $100 cheaper than the low end PS4, if not $200 cheaper. 
Yeah. We don't know the PS4, uh, PS5, sorry, price points yet. Uh, they might alter them now. I'm not sure. They yeah. might not even blink because they're on top right now. Yeah, two months out from launch, we don't know what the fuck, how much the fuck this thing costs. Yeah. Now, this thing doesn't have a disk drive. You have to have downloaded games, which is, I, it's more easy to do that now. It's funny that, like, when the one was launching and they talked about that, everybody was like, oh, God, fuck off. But now we've progressed. And that's actually how most people play games now. Most people don't buy discs anymore. They just download the shit. So that's fine. That lets it be cheaper. And it seems to have very similar stats and tech to the Xbox Series X. It's like it's pretty close. The only things that are worse are the hard drive and the graphics card. It has a much smaller hard drive space, and it doesn't like it's only like five hundred gigs or yeah. something like that. And it doesn't do pure four K scaling, um, like four K output. It's scaled, so yeah. like it's similar to the way like the PS4 Pro does it right now. Sure, well, which is not that you, bad. You do not need four K. I don't know why people think they do. Four K is nice. Don't get me wrong. It's cra- uh, hey, it's crazy, but like, but it's not a complete necessity. It already looks pretty good, man. <laughs> and it's you're not going to have a problem. Um, I think the more impressive thing is frame rate. If this thing dropped to a worse frame rate than the Series X, it might not be as impressive to me. But it's supposed to be the same shit supposed to be 60 all the time and that excites me it really does um yeah because most games especially on console just say fuck it and drop that shit down to 30 now i'm not someone that can notice it real easy but i'll tell you what playing tony hawk now and that shit runs at 60 and it's it's like i wasn't even looking at a tony hawk game before because <laughs> right. like, those previous ones weren't at 60 and one they thing I, I do fucking like terribly hate about the way consoles operate themselves is they've always put frame rate second to graphics quality with no choice yeah. on which one you'd rather have so again you know being able to edit settings is always nice and something the PC has I done for a long time now would rather control look like dog shit and to have it run like dog shit on the PS4 because it right. does. Yeah, for some uh, reason, just like the options never there, which sucks. Because like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the camp too. Where I'd rather have my game running smooth and looking good. Like I have, I have like, for example, I play Destiny Two on PC, right? And I have all my settings crammed, like like crammed as almost as low as I can, just so I can get 120 FPS. Yeah. And, like, goddamn, is that game buttery fucking smooth? That's 120 FPS, and, like, I can't get much better. My graphics card's not the best. I have a great CPU, but not the best graphics card. So that's what I can get away with, and I'll take that over a better-looking game any day. And I think it looks like, from what I can tell, those options to to pick one is going to persist into the next generation here, like they did with the the PS4 Pro and the uh, Xbox One X, which is great. I think you should mm-hmm. be able to pick that you prefer frame rate over graphics fidelity. So you can get most games running at at least 60. 
Yeah, I, I like that there's options because, you know, I don't think it's any secret that things are tough for many people right now. And not everybody can afford a big $600 black box right now. Especially when there's no fucking games coming out for it anytime soon. So Xbox is really smart here having this $300 option that you can even have a monthly price point for and also have games to play day one. It'd be games to play on Xbox One anyway, but Games Pass is a thing and it continues to be one of the best deals in the entire games market. Yeah, 100%. I have it on PC. something, Something that Sony does not have at least a good version of. And it's something that they might want to consider in the future because the tables could turn. Sony is super confident right now. And I remember a time when they were coming from the PS2, which completely dominated that generation into the PS3, which at least at first really struggled because it was super expensive and everyone bought an Xbox 360 instead because they were cheaper. Not yeah. to mention the Wii coming in at $200 and blowing up everything, too. Three months so, after the Xbox 360 launched, you can go get an Xbox 360 arcade for $250. $250, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I still have my Xbox 360 that was only $200. Yeah, man, like, and then that Christmas still. it dropped to $200. I remember that. Yeah. It's crazy. You get a new console. You get a console that's a year old for $200. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that yeah, was a crazy this deal. This $300 thing will go down in price, too. Yep. Which is awesome. But I don't know what Sony's going to do. I feel like they're going to run into the same problem they had with the 3, where their initial price point is going to be too expensive. Because they feel like they can. Because the one thing that they have over Microsoft is obviously IP. Sony has a ton of games that will come out eventually for all these properties that they own. And Microsoft has Halo. That looks... And and that's like shit. it. And it doesn't look very good. Um, it could be fine. I don't know. But hopefully Microsoft is beginning to solve that problem. You hope we'll some of these studios they acquired. I mean, the, only, the only Xbox game I'm heavily like interested in getting right now is the second Hellblade. It's a yeah. newest saga. I, I really, really want that game. And that's not coming out until mm-hmm. next year, so... Right. But I, I, want, I want that game. But I could just get it on PC. Like if you're true. If you're not, like... I love the... If you're, a, if you're exclusively a console gamer, the Xbox is fucking incredible to get. And I, I, I think that, like, most people should get an Xbox this upcoming generation. If you don't have a PC and you're not going to get a PC... Get the Xbox. If you do already, most of the Xbox games you could just play on PC anyway, so I would just like get the PC version of Game Pass. Which is also the best deal in PC gaming. It's got like a hundred fucking titles on it. You could play the new Microsoft Flight Simulator right now, which is one of the best games that came out this year also. Oh yeah. Have you been playing that at all? I played it for a bit. Now, I'm waiting for myself to like get moved in and settle down and have a little bit of extra money in my pocket because I want to play the game with a flight stick. And I want to get a fair. flight stick anyway because Star Wars Squadrons is coming out at the end of this month. 
And Sorry, that's happening. Yeah, I hope it's good. Me too. And I want I want a flight stick for that also. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting to play it like a lot more until I have my flight stick. Because like I played it with an Xbox controller and it was still great, but it's not like what I like. I grew up playing flight simulators and I had a flight stick. An yeah. old ass sidewinder flight stick for, for you old <laughs> people in the audience. And I, I fucking loved it. I actually have the box for my Microsoft Flight Simulator Falcon 3.0 box. Uh, yeah, I have that. I have the Falcon 3.0 box just sitting in my closet right now when I, for when I move. Alongside a box for X-Wing, TIE Fighter, and all of, its, all of their expansions. I, I was into flight simulators at a very young age. So I was already very hyped for this game. Because it's just just the premise of it. Like you're getting this this generated like map of the world. And it's like real time with real time weather. You can go to like real airports and take off from them with whatever you want. And it's really fucking awesome. God damn it, do nice. I need a flight stick? I'll tell you right now, it is also one of the best games that have come out this year. Easy. And a true look into what the next generation of gaming could be. And all these years after Microsoft talked about how amazing the cloud is and all the things you could do with the cloud. We finally have a game that properly utilizes that technology and it's at the end of the generation. <laughs> but it's there. It exists now. The, the Microsoft Flight Simulator as it is now would not be able to exist without cloud technology. Yeah, I guess so. Super glad that exists, though. It's cool. You can... You can when the hurricanes are happening really bad, you could fly over them and see what it looked like. You could also can fly you see over the, the California the fires. Fire yes. California. It looks black. like a black and black and gray, let's say red and gray mess. Yeah, it's it's got a red filter over it. It's got the Zack Snyder Justice League filter from the final battle in Justice League over it. That's it's very unfortunate. We deserve a lot better. Uh, as a country, we should not have to live in a Zack Snyder film, guys. That's fucking bullshit. nobody has to go through that pain. Yeah, piss jar. So when speaking Snyder of cut coming out, never. Hopefully, no, it's coming out. It's actually <laughs> happening. We'll talk. Oh, yeah, no, we'll we probably talked end about up talking. Yep, yeah, we'll end up talking about it on this fucking podcast. Mm. So, but, hey, b- before we get to uh, Bang Bang Shooty Shooty Western Man, yeah. I need to go grab the charger for this phone. Okay, uh, you, you do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to entertain the kids. Oh, well, okay, good luck with that. I will just be a minute. Okay. Uh, see you in a minute. <laughs> hey, kids. Did you know that just a wing, your standard, like, like your standard commercial plane, just the wing is like $2 million. Planes are expensive. But planes don't have to be expensive. You could fly one in almost a realistic quality by playing Microsoft Flight Simulator out now. And you should play it. I, I feel like more people should play it. If you haven't played a flight simulator before, you should just check it out. I, it, it's a really fun, difficult 
but rewarding experience. Uh, the new one especially has a bunch of great options for you to lower your settings. So you can, like, really have the computer, like, help control you a little bit until you get more used to how to fly. And then you can just take all the training wheels off and do whatever the hell you want. And that's when everything starts feeling truly fucking incredible and rewarding and awesome. I recommend anybody do that. Just pick up the game. Any skill level is fine. You need to... Especially if you're, you have a computer with a really good graphics card, you can really experience how beautiful the game is. There's truly nothing like it on the market. Even with my like shitty graphics card, the game looks fucking gorgeous. It's it's incredible, really. I took off from uh, when I last time I played the game. I used my brother's fight stick while I was waiting, you know, while waiting for mine, and I got to take off from from the, the airport that's like thirty minutes away from my house, and I got to see around it. It was really cool. Oh my god, this is where I live. I get to take off and look above my hometown. That's super cool. I love that. You, you love to see That's stuff good, like that. That's good, Judsby. Hello. I was, uh, I was gushing about Microsoft Flight Simulator to the kids. That's good. I'm glad you like it. I'm not a flight sim guy, but... I feel like anybody should try it. I think you should give it a shot. Well, maybe eventually. Because, like, that game has excellent options for, like, what I was saying before. The game has excellent options for, like, training wheels and stuff like that to, like, help you not crash. Oh, right. Okay, sure. And then you could just slowly take the training wheels off. I, I didn't... I just played, like, without any training wheels when I started. Because, fuck that. I already knew what I was doing. Right. So... Bang bang shooty shooty time. It's movie. We we watched spaghetti. Ah, uh, spaghetti Westu for a few dollar more. Somebody touch a my spaghetti. Somebody touch a oh. my spaghetti. <laughs> the movie. Right. <laughs> sure. So again, mm-hmm. how does this movie come into fruition? For a few dollars more, you can supersize that order, sir. <laughs> Let me get it. Let me get the big fry, baby. Let me get the big Sprite. I want the big Sprite. No ice. Fuck that shit. number nines. A number nine large. A number six with extra dip. Two number 45s. <laughs> and a large soda. I think I forgot one, but it's 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 there. Extra anyway, we watched for a few dollars more, which was released in 1965 in Italy, um, just one year after Fistful of Dollars. <laughs> now, the film didn't come to the U.S. until 1967, which, um, if you remember the last episode we talked about, that's also the year when Fistful of Dollars and The Good, The Bad, The Ugly came out. They all came out in the same year in the U.S., which is kind of cool. Yeah. Reminds me of like, you know, when the Star Wars um, re-releases came out all within a couple weeks of each other. Yeah, actually, uh, um, in 97, I got to ask my my parents about these movies. Uh, My dad, who is an old man, uh, was was always was a child, was a small kid when these movies came out. But he remembers them um, because my my grandfather is a gigantic fan of Westerns. They went to see these movies. 
Oh. And uh, he he told me that like it was he, they thought it was the coolest thing that all three of these movies came out in the same year, and they just got to go see him like basically back to back to back. That is super cool. So um, this one, as far as I know, uh, was not ripped off from an Akira Kurosawa film. Hey, uh, step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> so our director, of course, is Sergio Leone once again. Also returning, returning is uh, Ennio Morricone to score, and he does an even better job this time, in my opinion. Hot damn. I love the music in these movies. Horse They're so epic head. and good. And also, he does this, like, motif throughout it of this, like, little, like, music box kind of theme he has going. Yeah. And it's really good and creepy. It works really well. But also returning, of course, is Clint Eastwood as the star. Now, Eastwood was initially a bit hesitant to return. Uh, so he's American, obviously. And Americans didn't get the movie until 67. So at the beginning of 65 or late 64, you know, he he's like, I haven't even seen the movie. I don't know if it's even good. Why should I make a plan to work with this director again. Right. Now, Leone, in an attempt to convince him, sends him over an Italian print of the film. And uh, Eastwood watches it uh, at CBS, I'm pretty sure, which I think is like like the network where Rawhide was airing. Uh, So, like, probably like on a day off, he went back down and screened screened fistful of dollars to a handful of his friends. And, uh, you know, he, he warned his friends that the movie might not be good as Eastwood himself had his doubts because, you know, it's one thing to shoot a movie. It's another thing to see the finished product. Yeah. Um, but even though nobody there spoke Italian or understood Italian at all, and the movie was in Italian, uh, Eastwood and his friends loved it. Um, according to Eastwood, quote, everybody enjoyed it just as much as if it had been in English. Uh, like, I guess everything came through in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I can uh, I can even understand that because, like, this movie has a lot of visual and like, visual. Yeah, yeah. a lot of visual a things. A ton of board. dialogue. No, not really. You can tell people's emotions. The best you know? moments of this movie have no dialogue. That's very true. And I get um, the same goes for this one, too. <clears throat> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so he agreed to be in the second film as soon as he could. He was like, yeah, I'd work with that director again. <laughs> um, and then therefore he but he did want more money this time around. Well, yeah, uh, the first time he was only paid fifteen thousand um, dollars. Now, this time he's like, I want more. They give him fifty thousand. I'll do this one. For a few dollars more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his salary would increase even more for the third film. But we'll get into that later. Uh, like next week later. <laughs> so, And the film features a secondary protagonist in the form of Colonel Douglas Mortimer. Uh, now, in order to cast this person, Leone once again sought out Charles Bronson. 
who once again declined because he didn't like the script. Same exact reason he gave for the first movie. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Justin? I have not yet. The Tarantino movie? I have not. Well, there's a bit in it. This doesn't really spoil a whole lot, but there's a bit in it where, like, uh, DiCaprio's character is an actor who, you know, is, is kind of like, you know, on the outs, I, I would say. Like, he he was famous at a time for, like, being in a Western TV show. And he got offers to go be in spaghetti westerns. But he was like, fuck that un-American shit, from what I remember. <laughs> and then he's like, in at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of like kicking himself in the foot a little bit. Because, or or maybe this is like halfway through the movie. I don't know, it's been a while since so I've seen it. But like, basically, it's like riffing on this fact of like, you know, people like Charles Bronson, for instance were very, very against being in these un-American Italian productions. You know, they kind of viewed them as lesser and, like, not as good. And even when they were coming out in America, people still viewed them as, like, you know, a little trashy and, you know, pulpy, maybe even. Like, they're violent and they're fucked up and... The, obviously the dialogue is dubbed over and the special effects aren't that good and they're a little rough around the edges which I think gives them such a good charm yeah I think so but uh, you know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of riffs on this a little bit because eventually DiCaprio's character decides to be in spaghetti westerns and makes like a little bit of a career resurgence based out of them and you could be talking about any number of actors but Bronson in particular kind of stands out to me because he's someone who turned down Leone multiple times. And then these movies came out and they blew up and everybody was like, holy shit. And then he was like, all right, fine, I'll be in one. And he was in Once Upon a Time in the West. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny to me that it, it's it all feels like that. Just like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is clearly riffing on this kind of phenomenon that was happening in the 60s yeah that's fun so instead of charles bronson the role instead went to lee van cleef who is fucking great in this movie killed it dude. i I love him um there's there's a primus song called lee van cleef and i think that was the first time i heard his name because I, i had seen good the bad and the ugly but I didn't know the actor's name. And the song, I mean, it's a weird song. It's a Primus song. Who would have guessed? But it kind of like longs for an era where people respected Lee Van Cleef more. Like like Les Claypool's kind of like going into it and saying like, you know, I always did like Clint. And everybody likes Clint, though. I kind of like prefer Lee Van Cleef. He's fucking cool. Whatever happened to Lee Van Cleef? You know? <laughs> and that's about it. But, you know, in seeing this movie and seeing like the range between the character in this movie and the character in the next one, uh, I kind of agree. Leaving a Cleef's cool. I like him a lot. Eastwood plays the same character in all three of these movies, which is fine and has kind of lent it to become this supposed trilogy where, in theory, he's playing the same person every time, but. I don't know. We'll get to that in a bit because I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, 
I, I appreciate the range where he's playing a heroic man out for revenge. And then he's like a fucking terrible motherfucker in the next movie. <laughs> yeah. So Lee Van Cleef was kind of like an actor who thought his chance at stardom had like passed. Uh, and he was kind of like down on his luck. And like, I, I think even according to some people had developed a drinking problem. And for whatever reason, Sergio Leone asked him to be in this. And I, I think Lee Van Cleef was like thinking he was only going to be in a bit part. And then when he got to set, he was very surprised that he's like the second main character in this movie. You know, there's really like three characters in this movie. Everybody else is very much like window dressing or like bit parts. Yeah. It's, it's mainly the three people. Clint Eastwood as Monco in this movie, which I believe is a, a Spanish term meaning like, uh, like, like one of your arms is lame or, or something like that. Like one armed, I believe. Um, which I think is referencing the fact that he really only uses one hand throughout this entire movie. Uh, <laughs> like he's only using his left hand to do basically everything that he does in this movie. Um, the only time he uses his right hand is to shoot his pistol. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and it comes with the theory that you should always keep your 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 shooting hand free. Right. It also comes with the theory that he got his right hand stomped on in the last movie. So if you're going with the theory that these are all the same person, oh. I see that one floated around sometimes that like his hand is actually still injured, but I'm not so sure. Um, so yeah, Lee Van Cleef kind of like grew in popularity and had a, had a, had a resurgence thanks to this movie and the good, the bad and the ugly. And I'm super happy for that. Um, one funny thing. Uh, sorry if you're hearing uh, lawnmowers in the background. I can't really do anything about that. We're in a rural uh, neighborhood. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's time to grass cut. Uh, now, despite the colonel character stating that he is from uh, Carolina, uh, Van Cleef, for some reason, decides to perform the role using a New Jersey accent, his native new accent. <laughs> And it sticks out. But I think just from his performance, he seems no less dignified and Southern. He just has a weird accent. Yeah. But I think it, it fits the character because he's such a weird, uh, particular man. And I like it a lot because it's, it's a good, um, it's a good, uh, alternative to Eastwood. Who's very, uh, not as methodical and more gritty. I, yeah. I assume more chaotic make more chaotic yeah uh it's it's also weird to me that so this pair of bounty hunters here in this movie um Eastwood calls Van Cleef's character old man and Van Cleef calls Eastwood's character boy but if you look at the ages of the actors they are only 5 years apart so <laughs> i guess Eastwood's playing a character that's supposed to be younger and Van Cleef's playing a character that's supposed to be older or it's just a joke because one of them is more experienced than the other. Either way, it doesn't like detract from anything. I just found that kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's fine. Our third major character is um fuck, I forget the villain's name. 
I keep wanting to say Ramon, but it's not Ramon. That's who he played in the fucking first movie. Um. Well, anyway, the new Bagman <laughs> is again played by Gian Maria Volante, who played Ramon in the first movie, the main villain. And he's back again playing the main villain in this movie. And I, I'm kind of like, I'm sure I'll find out more once I look up stuff about the good, the bad, and the ugly next week. But I feel like he had a falling out with Leone and didn't want to be in Westerns anymore. Otherwise, Leone would have probably used him again in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. But he does not. Um, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Not not to say that Volante's bad, because Volante's really good in this movie. He's a very effective, shithead, insane villain. Yeah, And he's different enough from Ramon from the first movie. Like, Ramon felt, like, a little more dignified than this guy. This guy just feels like a complete psycho. He's he's smart in some areas, but he's kind of just, like, played as completely psychotic. There's, like, all those, like, long stares he has. He's, uh, he's <laughs> El Indio. Yes, okay, yeah. He's a very creepy guy. Um, just staring off into nothing, killing bugs and fantasizing about that one time that he raped a woman. What a cool guy. Wow, what an asshole. <laughs> uh, so he's playing a different character. This, of course, because Ramon dies. And Van Cleef plays a different character in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yet Eastwood is implied by several people who watch these movies to be the same person. The man with no name. But what do you think? Is he the same person in all three movies? I think it's really easy because kind of how vague it is for the character. Yeah. I think it's really easy to just be able to insert the same guy into all three of these movies, and it's fine. Well, I think Eastwood's really good at playing this kind of character. Yeah. So even if they are all separate, they're all Eastwood. In And, and that was like, you know... Even more so than it was today, people just associated actors with roles. Right. Um, so, you know, people were going to see Clint Eastwood, not, you know, Monco, you know? Right. Um, so, I like the idea that they're all the same character, but I don't even know if Leone thought that. I think Leone was just like, eh. Because, I mean, the circumstances of each character is very different. Like, in the first movie, uh, Eastwood is kind of just wandering and looking for any work and any food and board. And in this movie, he's like a more successful bounty hunter. Like, who assumedly has enough money to throw around, because he's paying that kid a lot throughout the movie and whatnot. Well, he made his, you, um, you see him make his money, <clears throat> you see him make a bunch of money from the first bounty he takes in this movie. And right. I think a lot of, yeah, so like, but you can envision it, right? Where fistful yeah, of dollars sure. happens, right? And he gets out with, with some money. Basically nothing, yeah. right? And yeah, after that, like, he goes you know, looking for work and again. Such and such. Yeah. Right, he goes... Bounty hunter. Yeah, he goes looking for, looking for work again. And now bounty hunting seems really suited to his skills. So he just starts taking up bounty hunting. Makes sense to me. Yeah. It, it's it, it could work or it could not. I think it just depends entirely on your point of view. It's a loose trilogy. Um, yeah. But nobody else's characters 
seem to have that wiggle room where they could be the same guy throughout these three films. Yeah. Like, because clearly Lee Van Cleef's not the same fucking guy. Oh, no, not even close. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because th- that could happen back then and nobody would give a shit. But, like, I remember, like, a circumstance, like, you know, when we watched The Raid 2 and they had the same uh, actor play- that played Mad Dog in the first movie play somebody completely different in the second movie. And we were, like, wondering why that was. Because it stands out. Yeah, it stands out a lot more now. Like, I think it also stands out more in that situation because it definitely 100% is a sequel. Right. Where this is a yeah. little more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So definitely a lot more like, like okay with that. But even then, like... Just as an yeah. example, I'm, I, I was trying to think of a modern version that does that, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's... I think it's fine. I think it's fine, too. And the film was shot in Tabernas Almeria in Spain. Uh, The set for the El Paso town square there was built by production designer Carlo Simi, who actually appears in the movie briefly. He's the bank manager. Um, So this was built in the Almerian desert, and it's still there. Um, It serves as a tourist destination known as Mini Hollywood. And they put on, like, Western shows and have, like, fake Western storefronts. And, you know, it's a bit of a tourist trap now. Uh, (laughs) But that's cool. It's cool that it's still there and you can visit the set from this movie. It was also reused extensively throughout The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Because they got their money's worth out of that shit. (laughs) So, that's about it. Let's get into it. Yeah, so this movie, once again, like all three of these movies do... Starts off with an excellent title card. Oh yeah, that's this right. one. I really dug this one. Yeah, this one. Does, it has nothing have a, to do with the rest of the movie, but I like it. Yeah, just like just like the other ones do. They're just like separate things. But I love this one because it's just a dude riding up on a horse, and it's just really quiet. And then he gets shot. Yep. And he falls on the ground dead, and the horse starts running away. And then the text for a few dollars more pops up on the screen. Yeah, I love it. Has has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but it's cool. I think it's great. And they they play the kick ass music and have everybody's name pop up. <sighs> yep. And then you get some text pop up on the screen that says Where life had no value, death sometimes had its price. That is why the bounty killers appeared. So this is reason another reason I can make the case why how these movies are connected. Um, mm-hmm. This is setting up that bounty hunting is a new thing. Sure. So maybe he wasn't one in the first movie right, because, because they, it wasn't a profession. Right, it wasn't a big profession yet. And then now it shows up. He's, uh, he's perfectly suited for the man with no names tasks and his skills, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, something else that's interesting to notice that this film kind of inspired is bounty hunters were in westerns but but before this but they were always kind of portrayed negatively like they were lawless men that only cared about a dollar you know and you know because you know it's it's not a nice thing you're killing people for money right and you're a heartless fuck uh and that's at least the interpretation of 
your standard westerns. You know, they were very judgmental of this. And along comes this movie, and your protagonists are bounty hunters. And who gives a shit? <laughs> and it kind of changed the perspective, the perspective of it, because now yeah. you have tons and tons and tons of movies and fiction where your lead character is a killer for hire or a killer in general, and maybe a little more rough around the edges and maybe a little more morally gray than your standard white hat protagonist, you know? Yeah. And I think this movie goes a long way. Obviously the first one as well, but I think this one and portraying bounty hunting as kind of just a thing and not something morally reprehensible uh, goes a long way to help hammer that home in the popular culture. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's really interesting, especially with like the way the movie progresses and like, it, it really yeah. just kind of like takes you it, you, it almost like it almost does a good job of making you forget about the fact that these people are just like killing people for money. Yeah, because it's kind of just like, you know, the end of this movie is really morbid and we'll get to it in a while. But like, you know, I mean, they do a good job at presenting the people that are going to be killed as super unlikable. Yeah, that's why your villain is such an asshole in this movie. But. It was very atypical for the time. Yeah. So, so I think they introduced us to Lee Van Cleef first. Yes, we're on a train. And, and Mr. V- Mr. Van Cleef over here is uh, hiding behind a Bible. Uh-huh. <laughs> while they're going around and, getting and tickets. Sh- smoking a big old pipe. Yeah. Throughout the entirety of this movie. You know, he smokes a pipe, Eastwood smokes cigars. Yeah, because he's more... It, it's a great... I love that dichotomy of it, because he's more proper. Yeah. <laughs> So he uh, he's on the train, and he and he asks uh, he asks about the ha- where it stops at a certain town, and then the, the passenger next to him tells him, "Hey, the train's not stopping there. You got on the wrong train." <laughs> and the vehicle just stares at the guy really intimidatingly, and then just pulls the emergency stop cord for the train and stops it. <laughs> he gets off the so train. Something like this train will stop. Yeah, he's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like we'll stop. And he pulls the thing, and then he gets off the train, and the attendant comes running out, goes, you can't just stop the train! But and then he's just like, well, it stopped, and then he just gets off. And yeah. He just, yeah. Yeah, just leaves the guy, and the, the, he stares really intimidatingly at the guy, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever, it's okay, sir. And just gets back on the train and drives away. <laughs> right. Then he shows up to the post office, you get kind of your introduction here to exactly what he's doing. Very quickly, because he stares at a bounty poster on the post office that's right there. I like this little exchange between him and the clerk there. The clerk's like, uh, he points out that the man added zeros to his own bounty because he said it wasn't enough for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Which is super funny. And uh, I don't. he just takes the poster. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the thing. That bounty. Right, yeah. that's the thing that happens. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, it's kind of started by. I mean, it's been started by this movie. I'm not sure, but you see it a lot in like Western media, where the bounty hunter just takes the poster. Yeah, I think it's just like a hard ass kind of like I'm filling this bounty on the table kind of thing. Like you know, I might as well just take this because no one else is going to have a use for it because I'm going to kill the guy. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 
And then Mr. Van Cleef enters a tavern and asks, asks where his target is to the barkeep, who uh, lies to him and said he doesn't know, and then he uh, just pulls the motherfucker to the counter. Asks where he it's is again. So the dude just like... Scene. Yeah, I love it. So good. You get a lot of close-ups here, like their facial reactions and stuff, and the guy just like looks up with his eyes, just kind of not <laughs> saying anything. He just says, I have no I idea where, where he'd be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No idea where he'd be today. And Van Cleef just smirks and heads upstairs. And you hear outside the door, our man here's fucking. Oh, well, yeah. Our target here's fucking. And, you know, Lee Van Cleef won't give a fuck. He's trying to kill this dude. So he just shoots the door, scare him. And the dude, the dude, to, you know, oh fucks, grabs his clothes on and starts jumping between the balconies to attempt to escape. And Van Cleef just casually walks outside. Dude's trying to get away on the horse. And he opens up this pouch on the side of his, on the side of his horse. And he's got a bunch of guns. And one that I love is a magnum with a comically large barrel. Yeah. And it takes him forever to put it together. It's so awesome. It's it's so funny. He's so particular. He has all these guns and their own little specific pouch. And like Eastwood's character just has one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's all it's he's got all these like the setup of this. Yeah, how different. They are. He's got all these specific guns. They all have their own uses and he uses them accordingly. And he spends a lot of time like cleaning his guns and making sure they're nice and. And he shoots right. the guy's horse as he's trying to run away with his rifle. Mm-hmm. And then he... He, sh- he shoots the horse, the guy falls off. Right. And then he, then he shoots the guy and hits him in the chest. But he's not dead yet, so he gets mad. And he gets up... Trying to shoot... At Mr. Van Cleef. And he's got, like, a short barrel magnum... And the Magnums don't have that good a range. No. And so he's missing. And yeah, so and Van Cleef just... Van Cleef's so smooth, he just, like, lets him miss. Yeah, he just takes his time putting this, putting this, uh, putting this Magnum together that has a butt stock on it. Just chilling and waiting. The, the bullets are just getting close to his leg, and then he just arms it up and shoots the guy. Right, right in the in head. head. Yep. Yep. Nice gross Boom. bullet hole in the dude's head as he falls over. I don't <laughs> love the kind of like shit, but it's yeah, funny. it's funny. Yeah, and you get the hard cut to just him collecting his money, which is great. Boom, and it's there that he sees another bounty, right? For baby Red Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Tells him a week ago he was seen at right White Rocks, and he goes, and then he said uh, somebody else dropped in to see him about the bounty. And that's when we cut over to Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. Joe, a.k.a. Monko, a.k.a. This Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> Got a wrist brace on, which is also... Also... Mm-hmm. Hmm. He's got a wrist brace, so I wonder why you have that on. Oh. Well, because his wrist got fucked up when it got stepped on, would it? No, I don't know, man. Who, who would guess? Hmm. Hmm. 
<laughs> and so he, he starts walking up in white rocks. And very comically, uh, rain doesn't start coming down until he walks in. And I guess the, the guy who was supposed to put the rain tech in just uh, timed it wrong. And they kept the shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> And then it just kept going. It's, it's so funny. Like the the mom, I have it pulled back up here now, and he walks in. And it's bone dry. And then, like two, like two seconds too late, the rain starts coming down really hard. Like, oh man, what are you gonna do? Well, that was really funny. Looks nice though. Once it actually starts raining, the shot of him walking up into white rocks. Yeah, looks really cool. I love I love how that he like kind of kind of gradually turns into shadow as he's walking up and. Yeah, his hat tipped down, puts his cigar in. This is this is Clint Eastwood. Even yeah. if he's not the same character, it's the same character. Yeah, basically. It's the same portrayal yeah. at the very least. He knows how to play like one person. Yeah. And it's this. <laughs> but that's okay. Yep. So he walks in the tavern. He got some got some dudes playing cards on the right side. He notices that and strolls on up. Asks for a light. This is a thing that happens a lot in this movie. It's just people asking each other for lights. Yes, people true. doing fucked That's up things true. to each other to light their tobacco. <laughs> I don't know why it's such a thing in this this movie, but it really is. It's way funnier later. But yeah. Then he asks, he asks the guy who's about to lay the cigarette about Baby Kavanaugh. And the guy stops for a second. Doesn't light it. And you, just, you see Clint Eastwood get, like, you, it cuts to Clint Eastwood's face and he gets pretty fucking mad about it. And the guy tells him where he is. He's like, he's right over there at the poker table. He's got his back to you. We see him with his mm-hmm. beige vest up there. He walks up to the guys playing cards. This movie does such a... This wasn't as big of a thing, but, like, even with its extras and everything, this movie does such a good job of, like, portraying, like, using facial expression simply with, with you know, no no dialogue to portray the mood of a scenario. I think right. it really shows through here when the uh, the guy who lights his... He, he, the camera keeps on the guy with the, with, who lit, lit Clint Eastwood's cigarette as he's walking up to the poker table. And you see him just have, like, that, that uh, shit, here we go face. Because mm-hmm. he knows exactly what's going on, and it gives you that mood. They're like, okay, shit's about to go down. Like, this is clearly our bounty hunter. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and he pulls up on this poker table, and they're about to shuffle the deck of cards. It's like... Let me... He's like, not to say anything, he just starts, like, puts his hand over, stops him... And then deals out the cards on his own. Yeah, he just rudely does that shit. And then, like, I've played many poker's hands, okay? Yeah. This is some lucky bullshit right here. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this is some improbable bullshit that yeah. happens. They're playing like granted, dumb- granted, it's thematic. I get it. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Fucking triple kings. Yeah, triple aces. You kidding me, bro? Yeah, sure. Just that could happen. That's <laughs> fine. Sure. See that shit. And they're playing like, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's the kind of poker you can dump off and exchange cards. Yes. Um, which I've played before. 
I, 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 I vastly prefer Hold'em to that. Hold'em is a much Hold'em's better format. Shit. Yeah. Then you have a quick cut to like some guy get like at a barbershop get his get his like beard trimmed. Then he gets, oh, right. some guy yeah. knocks on the window and he gets up, stops the guy and gets out. So you notice something's going on. Somebody noticed what's kind of what's happening, and some goons are about to pull up. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's not the target wins their wins the hand with the triple aces. And Kavanaugh stares at him. Like he didn't hear what the bet was. And then, real cool, he was like, oh, Tarantino, why does he Tarantino? Clint Eastwood's like, life. Yeah, he about to kill this motherfucker, let's go! <laughs> let's get it! He tries to get up at him, and then, not even taking out his gun, Eastwood just disarms the man, and beats the shit out of him. Still, only using his left hand to do so. Just really funny because he's just like slapping him. <laughs> just knocks him all around the bar. Then his goons show up. He just turns around and shoots all three of them. Yep. Just, you know, of course he does. Let me get the close up on the one guy who was getting his hair cut and his beard's only half shaven. <laughs> And he tells the guy, alive or dead, it's your choice. And the guy chooses dead. Tries to crawl for his gun. Sorry, there's people yelling outside. I'm not sure why. Uh-oh. It's not coming through on this end, so you're good. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so you get like a big... So right there's a great introduction. Shows you how efficient both of these killers are. And the different ways they approach it. Just great. It sets up how this whole movie is going to go with these two characters, pretty much. Yep. I love it. Clint got his money. He talks shit to the sheriff. Just great. Takes <laughs> his badge. Like, aren't sheriffs supposed to be honest, loyal? He just walks out, he just walks outside and says, Hey, you guys should get a new sheriff. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Throws the badge in the dude's hat. Just walks He's away. Such a fucking, like, absolute Chad. Just, just, <laughs> just walks in, tells people, You guys fucking suck. And then leaves. <laughs> I mean, he basically did that in uh, Fistful of Dollars. You know, just the whole town burned down in the meantime. Oh, well, yeah, you know. (laughs) And half the population, almost the entire population of the town died. All of these movies are basically an excuse to have Clint Eastwood's character be an absolute chad and just fucking shit on people. Is this the the (laughs) ultimate chad western? A little bit. A little bit. It has the most ass pools and the most, like, fucking crazy bullshit that characters go through, but then they're just fine. <laughs> and, 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 like, you know, because, like, in every single one of these movies, Eastwood gets the absolute fucking shit beat out of him, but then is fine. 
Yeah. And then gets his gets his in the end and it's fucking awesome. Um and Then we get the introduction to our villain who gets busted out of jail. Right. This scene's pretty great. Them busting out of jail. Yep, you got all his goons show up and take out all the guards for him, leading up to him and get him out. <clears throat> This guy has a huge squad of people. Yeah. The whole gang. Yeah. And they hand him his gun, and it's his gun, and it's time to escape. And they yep. just tear through all the soldiers here. Like nothing. Like nothing. Oh, he kills this guy that was his cellmate. Yeah, he kills his cellmate, which is fucked um, up. What's interesting because later we find out that that's probably the guy who designed the bank vault thing. It is because he takes, you see yeah. that, uh, I didn't think about this till later, but you see him take that model that he shows off later off of the dude's body. Yes. So that guy made the mistake of telling him about that. Yep. They tear through all of these guards. They leave one left alive. Yeah, you have to tell a story. Like you have to tell them what happened here today. Yeah. Like, damn. And now Bold. I'm I'm pretty sure we go to the man taking his revenge on the person who ratted him out. Yep. And this is a fucked up fucking scene right here. Immensely. <laughs> Yeah, so Indio goes to uh, it goes to this dude's house. Just starts beating him in his posse. Just start beating the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, and his wife and kid are looking on in horror, like his newborn baby. Yeah, and uh, she's like, "Please, it was." He's like, "Please, it was me." She didn't have anything to do with this, and um. Dude don't dude don't care. Dude don't care one bit cuz he's a fucking insane man. Um and uh they take the wife outside and the baby and they kill them. Now it's off screen but like it's still that's fucked pretty up. fucking fucked up, man. There now there's a woman death in the first movie, but a baby? Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Like, yikes, my guy. Um, th- th- <laughs> I wonder if this is like, you know, the kick the dog trope has been in cinema for years and years and years and years. Yeah. But I don't ever think, uh, like, this is extreme. <laughs> like, you really are like, you know, oh, this guy's terrible because let's just show him ordering the murder of a woman and a child. Yeah, kick the baby. Just fuck it. Yeah, basically. Uh, and um, it's disturbing. Um, and then, just to make it even crazier, he pulls out this locket or watch, I believe. Yeah. And it plays a little, a little haunting tune. And he's like, when the music stops, draw and fire. And he allows the guy a chance to, like, get his revenge now and shoot Indio. Yep. But uh, that doesn't happen that way. 
Indio shoots him. Yep. And yeah, all your all your big setup to establish that this dude's fucked up. Yeah. It's really fucked up because like he's holding this locket or watch, sorry, and it has a woman's picture in it, and he looks at it longingly. You know? Yeah. Like it's you know, like maybe this is this man's long lost lover who died and maybe that's why he became this way and it turns out that's not really the case at all at, at all at all no not even close uh, <laughs> you don't find out so much later also I wanted to mention the, mm-hmm. the scene where they, they he, he sets up for to let the guy shoot him is really yes. drawn out it's so drawn out it's incredible it there's a lot of tension in that scene. It's really well done. There's a lot of just 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 cutting back and forth between people staring at each other is all that's happening. Yeah. But in the hands of a lesser director, it wouldn't work. But Leone is able to take just close ups of eyes and people staring at each other and turn it into some heavy, heavy shit. And I love him for it. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. So anyway. So now now we have established our heroes and our villain. And we can get this plot rolling, actually. Yep. So a a wanted poster goes up for for him. It's $10,000. Killed all those guys. And then both our bounty hunters see it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we get this, uh, you just have, like, a quick quick shot of, like, Eastwood looking at it real quick. Then for Van Cleef, this, this, like, heavy, like, like kind of, like, like, quick switches between, like, getting closer to his eyes and the poster. Kind of giving you an idea that he kind of might know who this person is. And he's really intense about seeing this bounty. Yeah, it's subtle enough that you may not notice the first time you watch it. You may just think that he's being very serious. But it pays off on a repeat viewing, I'll tell you that. Because he wants this guy dead as shit. Yeah, and you very much find out why. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just talk about that now? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Indio raped and murdered his wife. And we see various flashbacks using the, the little um, watch that plays the little haunting music box melody. We get all these flashbacks of Indio creeping on them while they're like having sex. And he's like watching. And then he like knocks out i guess like he shoots the colonel yeah um or no it's his daughter i'm sorry i'm misremembering it's his daughter right i think so like, yeah this indio is approaching a, a husband and wife in bed and that would that would that's his daughter in bed sorry because that wouldn't make any sense i don't know why i said that i don't know but yeah it's his uh daughter was raped and killed by Indio. 
or she kind of like committed suicide as he was yeah. like fucking like raping her which is i mean just shoot him instead lady but okay i get it and um she had a chance to should have shot him in the fucking head yeah that was fucked up yeah it's really fucked up but uh you, you don't like really learn that until much later uh like basically why yeah basically leave van cleef's Colonel character here is a lot more intense about this bounty, and he wants to kill this man and get revenge more than anything else. This is personal to him. It's not necessarily about the money. Yeah. And that's why when Eastwood is around and looking into the bounty himself, uh, he's kind of cautious at first and doesn't really necessarily want someone else to go kill this man. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. So, Vickley visits a bank. I love I love this scene. Uh, he shows up and just kind of goes to inquire, um, trying to find out because he knows he's he's convinced that India was going to go like rob a bank. Yeah, he's like he's been maybe tracking this man and knows his whereabouts and how he acts. Right. And so he visits this bank, and he goes to ask him about it. Like, he sits down with them, and he's like, suppose I'm a bandit. What would be the best bank around here to rob? What's the most secure bank? Mm-hmm. And then the dude, like, the, the tenant he's talking to is, gets, like, really nervous. They had their safe open. He just shuts it, sits down. Yeah. It's really funny. But he, he tells them. Yep. It's like, there's a bank in El Paso. And then he tells them, he tells them, like, When's the next trade out pass? So the dude gets excited again because he realizes he's not getting robbed. <laughs> oh, thank God. Go to El Paso. And it cuts to Clint Eastwood riding into El Paso. Step ahead. And he is greeted by a bunch of kids and then one in particular that follows him. His name's Fernando. Yes. Shows it to a stable and hotel, and he tells the kid, hey, I'll pay you for information. You tell me if any strangers come into this town. And flips him some, flips him some coins. Yep. <laughs> I love this kid. Yeah. I was going to give him 50 cents for everybody he's seen in El Paso. By the way, 50 cents, quite a bit of money back then. Mm-hmm. And I love that this kid is like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's 50 cents for this information, but that's not all the information. Give me some more. Uh-huh. I love that he's trying to milk this for as much as it's worth. Yeah. Just really fun. Uh, just, you just cut to Van Cleef coming out of a, out of a saloon that's right underneath a hotel. He asks the kid where he's where he's staying, and the kid like waits, asks for more money. He just points him like yes. the hotel. It's right above the tavern. <laughs> it's fucking great. I love it. And so he walks into this. He walks into this hotel right here. And you got a lady and, and her husband. And I guess the whole dynamic here is that the. Uh, the lady here uh, just just loves cheating on her husband. 
<laughs> yeah. Just googling at Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. They don't really elaborate on this much further than that, but it's it's funny. Yeah. As to staying here, to staying at the room directly above, she says, oh, it's Senor Martinez. And he fucking grabs a book and crosses out the name. Like, it's free now. Yeah. <laughs> he goes up there and uh, convinces him to leave. You know, the dude sprints out. It's like, I want my bill. I want my bill. And please, what comes down and like, hey, you forgot your pants. Mm-hmm. Dude's like, oh, thank you. And it just fucking runs. <laughs> You can tell he clearly very much intimidated this guy. Uh, probably not very nicely, because he's not a nice guy. Uh... Right. So now we get a, a cut back to the gang. Right. Boy, that's going, isn't it? It's, it's not too bad. You're fine. All right. It only cuts in while you're talking. And you get a cut of a couple of uh, India's cohorts showing up. And uh, that's yes about his, his friend Sancho, who's uh, he gets informed that his friend Sancho's in prison. Right. And I, I, I guess it's okay to break out Indio from prison, but fuck that guy. Right. He's not the leader. <laughs> and so now we get the plan. It's like, all right, we're going to rob the bank. Yep, we're going to rob the bank in El Paso. And uh, you'd think, right, that that safe is huge and it's worth three tons and it'll be impossible to blow through a dynamite. But, ha, huh, that's the thing. The money's not in the safe. Mmm. It's hidden in a smaller safe inside a cabinet. It shows the display model he t- took off that guy's body. You get, get the Baxter here. That guy told him how this works. He took the information and killed him. Yep. So now it cuts to uh, Van Cleef. Visiting with the bank. Asked them, like, what would happen uh, with a robbery here? And the dude place tells him, ah, it'd be completely futile. Maybe we would try it, like, we're... Anybody who would try it would be a dead man. He's like, we're a complete madman. And it cuts to the gang rolling in. They're coming into town. Right. Four members of it, at least. We have some of our main guys here, and they're they're rolling in to scope out the place. The kid notices it, calls down Clint, and you know for some money. Tells him what's going on. That they're all together coming into coming into town here. And they all stop in the saloon. Now Van Cleese, they're right upstairs. He notices them too. And Clint walks up, starts just kind of watching from the corner of the saloon. Mm-hmm. Vic Cleef, the, the, the bad motherfucker, just walks up, st- strikes a match off the back of this dude's overalls. 
off and, of his hump, right? Yeah, maybe. Well, he's like a fucking hunchback man. Yeah. And it's not very pronounced. It's not like a huge thing, but Oh yeah, yeah I see it. Okay, I see. What I you think mean. Van Cleef knows that you know, he's testing what they will or won't do. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because he knows that they're there to rob a bank, so they don't want to raise suspicion right away. So he's fucking with this dude just to see what happens. Yeah. I think. Um, he strikes the match on the dude's hump. <laughs> and uh, the dude is very mad. He is. Fuming. don't do anything. Blows out they his match. Yeah. And then the dude just tries to raise his cigar. And then typically just takes his cigar and uses it to light his pipe. Yep. And it's one of his cohorts has to like hold his gun and be like, no, don't pull it out, don't pull it out. Trying to Dad, raise don't suspicion. Don't do nothing. We're here to rob a bank. And then just lights his pipe and hands it back to the guy. The yeah. dude's like it's so mad that his lips twitching. <laughs> it's so funny. This is fucking great. I love Van Cleef in this movie. He just like then he, the, the 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 guy the hunchback guy walks out. And he just like without without grabbing a cigar. And he just like points the other the, the cigar at the other guy. And just like raises his head like you want this, and they all just walk past him. Yeah, absolutely love that scene. It's like really us. He says, "Well, would a man walk around with his pistol and let himself be insulted? Seems strange." Kind of like he, you know. Made sure that those are the guys who were here to scope out the bank, otherwise, because they didn't want to raise attention to themselves. Create a scene and shoot him. And then you get the scene of of everybody scoping out the bank, along with our bounty hunters also scoping out them, scoping out the bank. It's a big scope fest. Yep. A scope orgy, if you will. That's a lot of scoping out happening. (laughs) Heavy scoping, even. Hard scoper. (laughs) And counting. If you're a fan of counting, boy, do I got a scene for you. Yep. Everybody's counting. counting. Everybody's counting. (laughs) What they're doing is they're counting the the seconds it takes for the security to wrap around the building. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, Kind of tells them, like, okay, so they're going to wait until the security's around the side of the building, and then they're going to go in. Right. Hi, dog barking. Hello. And they all get on their horses and ride out after they're done doing the scope, after they're done hard scoping. Yeah. And then you get this scene that I love of the our, our two protagonists here pointing up their binoculars and seeing each other. Yep. They both realize exactly what's going on. Clint just like kind of smiles and nods, at the, and Van Cleef just like angrily shuts the blinds. Son of a bitch! It's gonna come time for them to meet each other here very soon. Yep, it's it's coming right up. Um, but before that, we had a fucking goofy ass scene where Clint goes to this old man's house and asks. He asks him about he's trying to get some information off of him. And the dude's completely kooked out and starts like bitching about the trains. 
Because apparently railroad company wanted to kick him out to build railroads there, and he told him to fuck off. So they just built the railroad right next to his house. Right. And one one train passed. This is the uh, grave digger from the previous film. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's great again. Love it. Yeah, playing a different character, but yes. yeah. So he's like even more kooked out. Oh my god, this dude's insane and possibly has Alzheimer's and doesn't remember shit at all. Um, old coot is, is the least of it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the train whistle blows, it sends him into a frenzy. And Clint goes to try to light a cigar. And the train passes by it. The whole house shakes so violently that shit starts falling off the walls. Yeah. And he just, like, forgets about trying to lay the cigar and just flicks the match out. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it's it's really good. I like the scenes. It's it's fun and comedic. Yes. He talks about Mortimer, gives him a little backstory. Well, yeah, he's a brave soldier, but now he's turned into a bounty killer, just like you. Yep. And so Clint wants him out of town. So so he sends a guy in to pack up his here bags. Here we go. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fucking great. Some, Dude just walks into his room. Some Asian fella. Yeah, who is is very perturbed by what's. He's scared to death of both of these men. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he, uh, you know, like he comes down with his stuff in a in a case, and he's like, he got it because you're leaving. He's like, I'm not leaving. And and he keeps like bringing him back in and back out. Yeah, it's a tough, go back in just, there. Eventually, he just drops it and runs away. <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and now, so now they have a bit of a showdown. Here. Yep, but a bit of a dick measuring contest. Yeah, and it is a long dick measuring contest that just keeps going and going and going. It's uh, you know. The Chad versus the Chad. No virgins here at all. It is. They're just, uh, <laughs> it, and they just clash, you know. Nobody really wins. It's just kind of like they're just checking each other's skill. Yeah. You know? By shooting each other's hats. Yes. A lot. <laughs> uh, Eastwood fucking shoots the shit out of Van Cleef's hat. All over fucking town. Yeah, like every time five he just, minutes. He like he waits and like every time he tries to go grab his hat, just shoots the hat again. And he just calmly walks over and goes to pick it up, and it, it gets shot out again. But eventually, he's far enough away that he puts it on, and Eastwood misses. Yep. and he goes ahead and shoots Eastwood's hat right yep, off with his, his head. with his butt stock gun his butt stock magnum a butt magnum if you will <laughs> butt magnum <laughs> sounds he, that sounds somewhat suggestive I'm not sure and why he just, he just mm. uses that butt magnum and shoots his hat up in the air like eight times and they go yep. back and, they, and then once they're done measuring their dicks they just go back inside and have a drink together this is like 20 minutes of this movie is shooting hats <laughs> it's not that long but it, but like and I'm not saying it's not enjoyable but it does feel like this is a long chunk of the movie it, it is um, like it's like fucking seven whole ass minutes of them just <laughs> shooting each other's hats 
I don't mind it. It's fun. Uh, it's it's a good way without any dialogue for both of these characters to test each other's skill and begin to, in a weird way, trust each other. Yeah. Because they're not about to kill each other in the street and their aim is good enough to hit the hat and not the head. And it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then they have a little talk about what do we do now? And they make a pact to maybe go about this as a team. Because there's a lot of members of that gang. And it would be nice if we had someone working on the inside and then someone working on the outside. So the idea is for Eastwood's character to join Indio's gang. And then, you know, because Van Cleef is like, well, I can't do it because <laughs> he just antagonized the fuck out of his gang. Uh, so Eastwood is set to go undercover. And the plan is the gang member that's in jail. Eastwood can go bust him out and bring him to the gang. And that will gain their trust is the idea. Yeah. Yep. And they shrink up a deal to split it. And they go about hashing out their plan. <sighs> Clint butts the dude out of jail, brings him to the brings him to the gang. With dynamite, by the way, which is a good little moment where he yeah. just like puts dynamite against the door and the guy's like, holy shit. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's funny that our main hero is busting a wanted criminal out of jail. Yeah. But you know how it'd be <laughs> sometimes things are a little morally gray. <laughs> He's after that bounty. He doesn't give a shit. He'll commit yeah. crimes. He will commit crimes to solve and stop crime. He's hey. that kind of hero. You know? <laughs> and he uh, brings him to the gang, introduces himself, and we get a weird moment here. Where trying to remember exactly what Indio asks him, but like he's like, "Why should I trust you?" Or like, "What are you here for?" Or something. Yeah, he's like, "Well, saw how big the bounty was with you guys' heads, and I figured I'd join you on the next robbery or turn you into the law." And then one of the one of the grunts gets pissed and shoots his cigar out in half. Yes. But then, like, Indio likes that answer. So, like, Clint here has to know the exact right thing to say that won't piss Indio off or make him suspicious. And I guess he landed on this. He just told the truth. But, like, a version of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it works. Question mark? I, I don't think he like. I don't think he prepared that as a statement. I think he just fucking said it. Yeah, he just kind of goofed his way into it. I'm just saying, like, it works for some reason. Yeah, like it's very confusing that this works this the, way. The dude's a complete madman. He's like, ah, you're yeah. You're so fucking, you have to give you've you got have to balls. Give a complete a complete madman answer. 
Right. Yeah. You figure, yeah, he's, he's, he's showing up the madmanness to the madman. He busts into this fucking place by himself and goes like, I could just turn you into the law. And he's surrounded by 16 guys. Yeah, as only a madman would say that, maybe. Maybe that's how this works. Yep. Either way, he's like, I don't know, part of the gang. So he's sent out with a couple other guys, right? Eastwood is. Yeah. And they camp for the night. And yeah. I, I think they're going to be. I don't know what their role is in the robbery. All right. So what here's the here's the here's the I'm plan to remember. Yeah. So him and these this crew of three other guys are, are set to go to a neighboring town. And. And set in like try like attempt to rob that bank just to get the, the alarm set off to create a distraction. Yes. Sending uh sending them to trigger reaction of all the military going over to that town to try to stop the robbery. Right. That creates a distraction so, like, for them to get in and get out. Everybody will leave the town of El Paso to go solve the robbery of this other bank. Yeah. Now Eastwood just kills the other two dudes for some reason and handles this himself. Yeah, I just didn't feel like he I just he probably just felt like he didn't want to fuck around with them anymore. He was done. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how just like, well, fuck it, boom boom, he is. <laughs> Shoots these guys as they're getting up for the day. <laughs> it tells them too bad they have to die, and they go and try to shoot him and he just kills all three of them. Yeah. And then he goes to town and he makes a dude set the alarm off, right? Yep. And then ties him up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe gonna... he's like of the opinion that these people would just kill this man. So he goes and takes care of it his way and doesn't kill the man. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it, but maybe that's just assuming he's a little too heroic. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that he just didn't want to fucking deal with those guys. He said, fuck it. He's. <laughs> It'd be easier to not deal with these guys. Right. So he gets the alert going. And now the robbery commences. The band rides into town. And they both show up right behind him. Circle the bank a couple times there. Yep. And uh, they're doing the counting. Trying to get the timing of this right. And it doesn't work. And they're confused. Eastwood and Van Cleef looking from the, the hotel or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it becomes apparent that this plan is a little different than they thought. They're not going in through the front of the bank. They're blowing up the back of the bank and then running in and stealing it. Yeah, and they're stealing the cabinet, which is something that they didn't know about. They didn't know about the cabinet, right. Right. So they got juked by that. Yes. So, so now Clint Eastwood's pissed. He's like, nah, screw this. I'm going by myself. This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, because he thinks he's kind of like blaming. Yeah, he's just blaming it on him like, oh, this planning was bad. This isn't going to work. He's like, no, nope, I'm, I'm sorry. That's unfortunate. But then he like points his gun at him. Then nicks his neck with it. And then tells him, nah, well, you know, four people, four people went, and then just you're returning by yourself. You don't think they're going to get a little suspicious? That Nick will help you. 
Like, all right, we're going to resume this partnership. You go in there, and I'll, we'll, you'll operate from the inside and operate from the outside. We can get more money out of this now that they've robbed the bank. So we're going to offer a reward. So now we're back in business. Clint's going to return to him. With a bullet wound. Yep. Because Lee Van Cleef shot him. Yep. And then let, and then they're going to proceed and try to get more money out of it, since now they can get a reward for the money being returned. So Clint rides back into the camp, and then one of the members accuses him immediately of, of killing those guys. He just punches the dude. That was great. And then Indio comes up again. And then he has a he has a little, like a little scarf on covering up the wound. And he pulls it down. And he believes him. Right. Somehow. Yep. And so part of the plan here is for Eclipse on yeah, lead him north where you can corner him at the canyon. Clint still doesn't want to work with him. So Indio says he's going north. He's like, no, don't go north. Seems like a good place for an ambush. And he's like, you know a better way to go? Tells him to go south. Yeah. Go to, go to the border. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he doesn't do that either. He goes east. <laughs> yeah, but he said, no, screw that. We're going to go to a town that I know. So they ride up to this town and it's like, all right, so you want to prove your worth to this gang? Show that you're for real? Just ride into the town and survive. So it's this whole thing like, oh, this town's a this town shoots outsiders. So you, you get the you get the setup like oh we're about to about to come into a shootout here and he's gonna have to you know, Clint's gonna have to defend himself to prove his worth. And you get these three guys with guns show up kind of far away from him and stare him down. And there's a kid in the background trying to get a trying to get an apple down from a tree. And Clint just casually fires the apples off of the trees, and then up pops up Van Cleef. Yeah. And he shoots he apples shoots down. Some. Yeah. yeah, he also shoots apples down. And the other, the other than the, uh, the three guys that showed up uh, notice it and they run away. Like, uh, that's that's dead accuracy. They get scared. So them, so them and the rest of the gang pop into the into the tavern of the town. Yep. And then, huh? They notice, uh, the, the hunchback guy notices that Van Cleef's there. And he's pissed. And he walks up, he's like, oh, do you remember me? He's like, no, no, I don't remember you. He's like, oh, El Paso? And he's like, yeah, small world. <laughs> dude tells him to lay another match. He's like, I generally spoke after you. Why don't you come back in ten minutes? Like, damn. He's being such a dick. You know? Yep. I love him. Hunchback here's name is Wild, by the way. <coughs> uh, gets him up and sends up, sets up for a standoff, which, of course, Van Cleef kills him. 
and then immediately turns around and pulls his gun on the rest of the gang. Indio stops him and sits down to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And then he, so he sets him up as somebody who was also going to try to rob El Paso. And tells him, hey, if you open those that safe, you're going to destroy those banknotes. I could open it without blowing it up. This gets Indio interested. He's like, okay. And so he agrees to give him a portion of the money to open up the safe. And so, yeah, so Van Cleef over here also has a safe cracking and lock picking skills. Yeah. Sorry, uh, people are yelling outside. I'm not sure why. Neighbors are fun. Yeah, dude, don't uh, have them. If you hear that on the, I wish I didn't. But hey, what are you going to do? I hope that's not too much of a problem, but mad by a new place. But we'll find out when we get to there. It seemed, luck, pretty, man. it seemed pretty hey, quiet. Hey, if it carries over in the recording, what are you going to do? Right. Um, it seems pretty quiet there. So I think I'm getting better uh, recording technology soon. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, they get the safe open. And Indio says, oh, we're going to have to stick around for a while and wait out the law. We aren't going anywhere yet. Nobody's getting their shares yet. Not until it's time. And they're like, all right. And uh, everybody go to sleep. Lol. Yeah. Sleep. <laughs> Quotations. Yeah. Eastwood wakes up. Sleeps yep. out. And goes to get that money. And uh, Van Cleef as well, I'm pretty sure. Yep. He's already there. <laughs> yep. And Eastwood shows up. And, uh, right as they're sneaking out, oops, Indio's right there. Yep. So, Clint's coming down with the money, and then Indio grabs his feet and notices that he's doing that. Then Eastwood just kind of throws the money over into the nearby tree. Yeah. And then this hides it. Yep. See, Indio's not aware of this, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, but they're fucked now time for them to get the shit beat out of them real hard. Yep, they get their asses beat. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Sergio Leone Western without a scene where your main characters get the shit kicked out of them by the villains. Yep. You know, there just has to be one just so the ending works better, you know? (laughs) Yep, and then later on they're tied up and uh, one of the guys walks in and unties him. Yeah, the bigger dude. Who I believe is also in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly as the big uh, soldier. But we'll get to that next week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. I yeah. could be wrong. But anyway. He has both their guns back, says, hey, your guns are unloaded. Get out of here. And they're like, uh. uh okay. <laughs> They just go. So then it's revealed that Indio had that happen on purpose. Yeah. So now this is a a confusing turn of events. here. Okay. So Indio's goal here now is to start Mm -hmm. thinning out the ranks. To get a larger portion of the money. And so, and so he has a, he has the, the bigger guy murder a dude with somebody else's knife. He takes it from his body while, he, while he's sleeping. 
and then tells the guy to come out and says, hey, your knife's in this dude. You killed him. The guy's like, no, I didn't kill him. And he just shoots the guy. Everybody comes out, and he pretends to, like, be super pissed because the dude killed another, you know, killed another member of the crew. Said, ah, oh, he, he killed him and then, let, and then let the prisoners escape. You guys have to go get him right now. Yep. So he sends everybody away. Except one of them comes back. Says, ah, I knew exactly what you were trying to pull. Open the safe and give me the money. And he's got this gun pointed at him. The Indio opens up the safe and it's empty. And the other guy starts laughing his ass off. Now knows that they got duped. Yep. And then Clint and Van Cleef go back, get some ammo, and get ready to a, ready for a standoff. They're just going to come back and kill these guys. Mm-hmm. They fucking had it. <laughs> so now we get our big shootout. Climax of the movie. So you got the two of them running around town while the other goons are hiding about and trying to shoot them. It's a really cool action scene. I like it a lot. It's like a lot of these smaller moments. These dudes lie, like line it up and get ready to start the shootout. It takes a long time of them just like walking around and finding nobody for shit to start. Then the shooting kicks in hard. Yep. I want to see a particular like war, man. Yep. I want to see a particular like where where a dude who's like sitting in a house just like shooting a rifle at Clint and he just like kicks a cart down through the house and busts it and shoots them both. Some good shit. Yep. Then you get flashback was explaining the the weird rape thing and I hate it. <clears throat> and they eventually thin out the herd. Till it's your last stand. They get yep. Indio to come out. Here we are. Yep. And we get our big standoff between Bay Cleef and Indio. Yeah, Eastwood, I, I guess, kind of just knows that he has some kind of past with this man. Yeah. And he, he wants to settle it. And Eastwood lets him do it. Yep, he sits out. He gets. He takes off his his gun belt. It puts it. It puts it on on Van Cleef. It's like use this, a real pistol. I can have your stand up. He he takes the locket off of him, flips it up. Like when the music ends, draw. And now you get your cutback scene. And of course, Van Cleef wins the shootout. Wins the standoff. Of course. <laughs> Good. Rest in peace, rape man. Later. Yeah, thank and, God. Uh, then we get this awesome shit. Yeah. Where he's like, fuck it. Why don't you uh, just take all the money? Later. Yep. Got, I got what he what wanted. I wanted. Yep. I wanted to kill this guy. And uh, Eastwood's like, are you fucking sure? Okay. 
and uh, <laughs> get this real morbid but funny, uh, <laughs> darkly humorous shot at the end here, where oh well, no, there's one more guy that comes out as Eastwood's piling the bodies on the cart. Yeah, it's just so many bodies because they're all worth money, bounty. Yeah, and uh, the one other guy tries to come out and shoot him in the back and Eastwood gets him. Yep. And uh I think our last line is like uh you okay there? And and Eastwood's like, yeah, old timer or something like that. Yeah. Not a problem at all. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, Clint's counting the bodies and he notices that it's one short and the guy comes up behind him. <laughs> right. He notices yeah. it turns around and shoots him. Like, ah, twenty seven. Ma- math saves lives, kids. Uh, so 27 bodies is that right 27 bodies that's that's a lot fuck okay so then you get this fucking just super fucking morbid shot of him riding out and there's just a heap of bodies in his cart as he rides back to El Paso I guess and um just rides into the sunset. Yep. It's not a your typical ride out into the sunset moment, though, because he's riding out into the sunset with 27 bodies bouncing <laughs> around in the back of a cart. Yeah, he, he also <laughs> passes by that tree on his way, and he leans up and grabs the money, too. So he's got all the bodies uh, and all the money. Yeah, that's a lot, man. Made it out with now, everything. I don't know if he's going to return that money, but I would guess no. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, the money was gone. Sorry. Couldn't find the money, but here's the bodies. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do? What a fuckler. Also, funny little thing that I noticed in the shot. If Richie, when he's riding up, the, the dude's bodies are, like, bouncing around and shit, and his arm's down. Then when, it, when it cuts back, the one dude put his arm up over the wagon to hold on, because he was probably slipping. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's yeah. pretty great. Well, because I noticed the moment the early. I forgot to mention this, but uh, the first person to die in this movie, well, besides the guy on the horse at the opening, yeah. the guy Lee Van Cleef shoots, uh, you can see him, like, fall over dead, but then he, like, looks to the right and then looks back to where he was originally looking. <laughs> like, he does a little eye shift when the character's supposed to be fucking dead. It made me laugh so much. And I rewinded it like five times to see if I like saw that correctly. Yeah. Like, nah, that guy just didn't act well dead. Like he fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's but, it's fucking great. Yeah, Cause you see the, the, the car pulls up, the bodies are bouncing and then, then the shot, mm-hmm. the shot, the cart stops. He grabs the money and slings it over. Then it cuts back to the back of the trailer. His arms just wrapped up around it. <laughs> It's so funny. They're so rough around the edges, these movies, but like they're so perfectly well done that it contradicts that completely. Like that's like a non-issue. Like who gives a shit about these little dumb things when everything else is like super well done? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, and that, and that's and that's for a few dollars more. It's fucking great. It's excellent. God damn, do I love this movie. Now, obviously, much like Fistful of Dollars, this was critically panned upon its initial release. Our good pal, Roger Ebert, 
out here saying it was, quote, one great old Western cliche after another and that it's composed of situations and not plots. Uh, I think he turned around on these movies eventually. I'm not sure. But or maybe I think he liked Good, Bad and the Ugly, but maybe not this one. Um, uh, this film was even parodied the following year. 1966 had a movie called For a Few Dollars Less. I don't know much about this movie, but I mean, it, it, this, this, you know, despite the critical reception, it was extremely popular. So a parody movie coming out does make sense, I suppose. Right. Um, it became the highest grossing film in Italy at the time with 14 million, 500,000, like over that much tickets sold. And, uh, it grossed 272 million pesitas in Spain. That was the highest grossing film there at the time in the U S it made five mil, uh, releasing just four months after fistful of dollars. See, like, you know, you kind of have to like put that in perspective with the American gross because they all came out back to back to back. So I think good, the bad and the ugly ended up making the most out of the three, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. Cause it is the best of the three. But do you think this one is better than the first one? Because I do. Yeah, I think it's like barely, but yeah. Like these are, these movies well, are all super close. I don't even think it's a contest. I think this one with Lee Van Cleef added to the mix is just far superior. And it's longer and more epic and has more scenes that I'm going to think about forever. The hat, the introduction to all of our characters, um, the, the fucking ending. <laughs> I, I think like Fistful of Dollars is still fucking great. But, like, it's the difference between, like, a 9 and a 9.5, perhaps. Right. Yeah. That, that's... Next week, I think we're going to see the difference between a 9.5 and a den out of den. I think that's how this goes for me. Um, I love this one. I love this one a lot. Yeah. No, Good Man and the Ugly is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Like it's 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 almost unfair to the other two movies how good it is because they have no chance to be number one, you know, because good, yeah. the bad and the ugly exists. What are you going to do? Right. <laughs> but I, I think this one is better than Fistful. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I agree um, with you. It's It's a little more brutal and fucked up. But those elements were still in Fistful and. I don't know. I just like I feel like if it wasn't for Levy and Cleef's character, they would be more equal. But his character adds a lot to it for me. Yeah. And I guess that's it. I don't know. Hell yeah. I'm super excited to revisit the Good, the Bad and the Ugly next week. Hell yeah. Let's do it. And that'll be our our 99th episode. Crazy. Crazy. Doing this bullshit for a while now. This garbage. I, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. Uh, I'm like, super excited to see what we watch next after our hundredth episode. I'm sure this it'll be a while, but uh, you know, I, I 
I love watching movies and I like getting caught up on franchises that I've been behind on. Obviously, I've seen all of these. So, like, this ain't nothing super new to me. I, in fact, I thought I hadn't seen for a few dollars more. But then in rewatching it, I was like, oh, this one. That's right. How the fuck did I forget? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think I, 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 I don't know. I think I just thought that this one was the first one for some reason. And then I saw the first one. I was like, oh, no, it was this one. And I don't know. I just had, I had them mixed up in my head. They are very similarly titled movies. Yeah. But uh, we'll catch you on the flip flop, I guess. And we'll finish out this little, little perfect trilogy. Heck yeah. See you later, gamers. <laughs> bye, 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 gamers. Rise up. Game on. Oh.